<laughs> a hymnal was written in 1880. I want to read through some of these lyrics. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. I love how Jesus is never screaming. The Holy Spirit is never yelling. He's just whispering. He's giving us an opportunity to respond. You who are weary, come home. I can get tired sometimes. I don't know about you. Just the world wears me out. It says, earnestly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. You have to know that that Jesus is real and he's sincere. And he really just wants you to be the same way. He wants you to be real. He wants you to be honest and just to come to him. It says mercies for you and for me, meaning forgiveness. Earlier we heard the song Noel. What does that word mean? The word Noel simply means the birth of God. But why? Why? What's the reason for the birth? There's a lot of buzzwords around Christmas. All of them are are good and exciting, but if I was going to summarize Christmas with, with one word, I think the most important word that we can get from Christmas is the word forgiveness forgiveness the reason for Christmas is forgiveness like the song said Jesus is calling for sinners and I think what Christmas reminds us of is that Jesus is still calling for sinners earnestly asking come home come home Jesus said this in Mark chapter two, verse 17. I didn't come for those who say they're righteous. I came for sinners. I'm so thankful for that because every single one of us have messed up. And some of you may think that you flew in here on angel's wings and perched yourself in your chair. And if that's you, you probably don't have any friends. Because God didn't come for self-righteous people. He came for people to understand just how messed up they really are. In Romans 8, 5, 8, it says this. But God shows his love in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, you don't have to come to him all fixed up. You don't have to come to him after you have everything together. The fact of the matter was, before you ever had any understanding of who God was, who Jesus was, what his plan was for your life, while you were still in the midst of your sin and your mess and your shame, Jesus saw you when he went to the cross and said, you're worth it. You're worth it. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, every single person. And that's why it's so important to understand what Christmas is. It's forgiveness. Christmas is a, a, a 
an exchange of gift. All of us will be exchanging a gift, maybe more than one over the next couple of days. And the inaugural Christmas was an exchange as well, although it wasn't a very fair exchange for Jesus. As he gave up heaven in exchange for our sin. Anybody ever gotten a really bad present before? Anybody got a bad present before? Don't look at your spouse when you raise your hand. A lot of times it's their fault. Anybody ever given away a piece of exercise equipment to someone? Okay. We'll pray for you down here at the front at the altar after the service. I want to tell you something to make you feel really good about who you are as a parent. Any of you dads in the room especially. Our, our kids were making all of their Christmas lists just letting us know the things that they, they wanted for Christmas. And my son Reeves, he's our younger son. At the very top of his list, he said... What I want for Christmas is for my flat tire on my bike to be fixed. (laughs) Dad fail. (laughs) So (laughs) I thought about making like a big deal about like, oh, I don't know, buddy. That's a pretty big ask. Like, I don't know if we can do that. If we do, it may be the only thing you get, though. And uh, just try and facilitate thankfulness. But our pastor, our lead pastor, Rick, he's a he's a Cajun. And, uh, and he's smarter than the average Cajun, but just barely. And, but he, he likes to tell Boudreaux jokes. Anybody ever heard a Boudreaux joke before? Well, most of them aren't very funny. But every once in a while, Pastor Rick will tell us a Boudreaux joke that's funny. He told us a couple this last week that are really funny. I want to share a couple with you. Uh, Boudreaux, one Christmas, he went out and he bought Tipito, another Cajun. He brought Tipito, a talking parrot. A talking parrot gave that to, gave that to Boudreaux. A couple days later, Tipito saw Boudreaux. He said, hey, Boudreaux, what do you think about that talking parrot I gave you? Boudreaux says, oh, it was real tasty. It tastes real good. And Boudreaux says, or Tipito says, Tip, Boudreaux, you weren't supposed to eat that parrot. That was a talking parrot. That parrot spoke five languages. Boudreaux said, well, he should have said something. <laughs> Last year, Boudreaux went out and bought his mother-in-law a cemetery plot which is funny in and of itself. But, but this year he didn't get his mother-in-law anything and she was real upset about that. And she said, Boudreaux, why didn't you get me a present this year? And Boudreaux says, well, you still haven't used the present I got you last year. <laughs> uh, just to be clear, I love my mother-in-law. <laughs> How many of you guys like to laugh a little? Amen. I appreciate having joy. The Bible says that laughter is like medicine. Well, I've experienced this in my life. A revelation that I've had is that as I grow in an understanding of forgiveness, and I'm still not there, but as I understand forgiveness, there's nothing that brings more joy, more peace, more freedom, more laughter than being able to walk in understanding true forgiveness. There's nothing like it. It says in Ephesians 2.8, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. The gift. Man, there's a lot of good gifts that God gives, but there's no better gift than the gift of grace. The thing about forgiveness, though, is it's not just a gift that we receive. It's a gift that's meant to be given away as well. 
says in Colossians 3.13, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone, anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. It says in Matthew 6.12, forgive us our debts. This is the Lord's prayer. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgiving people, forgiving others, it can be a complex topic. And I think to help us understand what forgiveness really is, you have to understand what forgiveness is not. Because some would say that, or think, that forgiving is forgetting what happened. Because there's the old phrase, right? Forgive and forget. But the, the thing is, that's not even Bible. It's not even what God would say about it. In fact, what makes forgiveness so powerful is when you forgive while you remember. When you can remember and still forgive, that makes forgiveness powerful. Some think that it's trusting again, and it's not. Trust has to be earned back, and sometimes trust is never earned back. But forgiveness is forgiving even when there isn't trust. Some think that it's belittling the offense. Just saying, oh, it's, I guess it wasn't that big of a deal. I, I, don't, I guess it didn't really hurt that much. But that's just not true because it obviously hurt because you still remember. And you don't have to belittle the offense. Jesus certainly didn't downgrade our sin to forgive us. Forgiveness is powerful even when the offense was great. There's this Bible story of Peter. He, come and he came to Jesus. and This is after Jesus was trying to teach about forgiveness. And, and Peter, he's always putting his foot in his mouth, saying stuff he shouldn't be saying. He came to Jesus trying to impress Jesus. Jewish law said that you had to forgive somebody three times. Peter knew that. So he came to Jesus and asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive somebody if they've offended me? Up to seven times? Like, Jesus, not only am I willing to forgive somebody three times, I'll add three and then one more just for good measure because I'm really, really spiritual. And Jesus fired right back and said, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Peter was a fisherman, so it took him a little while to do the math. He's like, let's carry the one from... 490? That just seems ridiculous. The point that Jesus was trying to make is if you're keeping track of how many times you probably haven't truly forgiven. And Peter still didn't get it. So he told a parable of this servant and this ruler. The servant owed, owed a tremendous debt to the ruler somewhere in the neighborhood of $12 million in today's economy. And so he goes before the ruler and he pleads and he begs for this debt to be forgiven because he knows that he can never pay it. He also knows that if he can't pay the debt, that this master is gonna throw his entire family into prison and punish him. So he begs and begs for forgiveness over this debt and the master does forgive him completely forgives him of that debt. 
The thing is that servant went directly from that place and almost immediately he saw someone that owed him about $7. And he went to that person and demanded that he repay what he owed him. He demanded and and the man said, "I'm, I'm sorry, I don't have it. Jewish law says that after you had gone to someone for a debt to be settled three times, after the third time, you could choke the person. I wouldn't mind bringing that law back. Like we could bring that back. Like that's not a bad idea, but. So So the servant begins to choke this man. He's choking him. And the master heard about this happening and he was furious. So he, comp- he confronted the servant and said, how could you possibly hold that against that man $7 after you had been forgiven so much? And the master punished that servant as severely as he possibly could. The thing about forgiveness is when you truly understand it for yourself, you give it freely. And, and, and the thing about forgiving other people is what it does is it just opens the door for you to be forgiven more. But if you don't forgive, bitterness and resentment will come into your heart and it doesn't help you. It won't work. It won't make anything better. In fact, it says in Job 5.2, to worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish and senseless thing to do. Unforgiveness and bitterness is a lot like you swallowing poison and then waiting for the other person to die. It'll kill your spirit. It'll kill your soul. It'll disconnect you in relationship with God. But if you understand forgiveness, and you forgive others, God will continue to forgive you. In Matthew 6, 14, it says, for if we forgive men when they sin against us, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. That's pretty heavy. It says in Matthew chapter five, verse seven, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. There's this story, and there's a lot of different accounts of it, but you can look it up. It's called the Christmas Truce. The story took place during World War I, 1914, Christmas Eve. As the story goes, the armies were in their trenches doing trench warfare. And there is a couple hundred yards in between these trenches. And the, the space in between was called no man's land because... Anytime anybody would try to cross it, they would just be mowed down with machine gun fire. But on Christmas Eve, the French and the British on one side and the Germans on the other, they begin to hear the opposing side singing Christmas carols in their own languages. At first, they were just trying to sing louder than the other army. But eventually, the the Germans began to shout out across no man's land, Merry Christmas. So the British and French yelled it back at them, Merry Christmas. Before you knew it, the Germans began to come out of the trenches. The the British thought that it was a trick at first until they realized the Germans weren't carrying any weapons. 
And so they laid down their weapons and they stepped out of their trenches. And there in the middle of no man's land, Christmas Eve, 1914, these two opposing forces that had just earlier that day probably had been shooting at each other full of rage and hate and anger, shared Christmas together. They even exchanged gifts, what little they had, whether it was food or little trinkets, and they sang Christmas carols. One of the most common known that they all could sing together was Silent Night. The interesting thing was the very next day, the commanding officers of the opposing sides could not get their men to attack. It got to the point where all the men on those two fronts in those trenches had to be completely reassigned to different fronts because they refused to attack and fight the people, those men that they had built a relationship with the night before. Isn't it amazing? The power of faith and forgiveness. It's more powerful than war. I think it's important to notice a couple characteristics. First of all, someone had to take the first step, right? And it's risky and it's scary because you're not sure if the other side is just waiting to shoot you down. But someone had to take the first step. They had to lay down their weapons. They had to lay down their weapons. And they focused on what united them, their faith. And because of it, they left changed. They left changed. So I don't know what it's like for you during the Christmas season, but I do know that a lot of us are hanging out around a lot of family. And maybe your family dynamics are great. Or maybe there's a little stress there, maybe a little tension. Now, Lord willing, you're not bringing actual weapons around your family. But the truth is we all can carry a weapon, but our weapons are our records of wrongs and our offense. Christ followers should be the best people on the planet at forgiving. But so often, we're not good at it. But Christmas should be completely about forgiveness because we're reminded what we were given the opportunity to be forgiven of. And so there should be forgiveness. There should be forgiveness between Democrats and Republicans. There should be forgiveness between husbands and wives. There should be forgiveness between sons and fathers, daughters, mothers, brothers and sisters. There should be forgiveness. Christmas reminds us of Jesus calling for us to be forgiven and to remind us that because of what we've been forgiven of, we can forgive. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. I'm fully aware that there may be couple of people in this room right now, you have never experienced true forgiveness. 
The fact is you cannot experience true forgiveness outside of relationship with Christ. And if you're here today and you're ready to experience that forgiveness, the Bible says that if you will believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he is Lord, that you can be saved. If you're willing to confess that you're a sinner, that you've you separated yourself from God and from his plan, that it's only through believing in Jesus that you can come into relationship with him. I want to give you a chance to respond. Or maybe you've made that commitment before, but, but right there in your chair, you know that you're away from God and you're ready to come back to him, rededicate your life. If you're either one of those people, one of the best and most important things that you can do at Christmas is come back. It's to come home, to come to Jesus. And if you're here and you're ready to make that decision, I'm not gonna embarrass you, ask you to do anything weird. I'm just gonna ask you to be bold enough between me, you, and God. Would you be willing to raise your hand? And as soon as I see you, you can put your hand down, but put it up right now if that's you. Got it, thanks, man. Yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Need a relationship with God? Yes, 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 yes. Got it, thank you. Got it, thank you. I need a relationship with God. Got it. Thanks, guys. Got it, thanks. Yes, ma'am, thank you, I saw you. Thanks for being bold. Anybody else? I need a relationship with Jesus. Okay. Now I'd encourage you at one point or another, go public with this decision. Tell somebody about it. The best way to do that is through water baptism. We'll have an opportunity right here in a couple of weeks to do that. But just right there in your chair, just say a simple prayer. Just say, God, here's my life. And I know that it's messed up. And I know that I can't save myself. But I believe in faith that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I ask for your forgiveness. I ask you that you would come and be my Lord and be my savior. I want you to have control of my life. In Jesus' name. I also wanna just pray for anybody right now. Heads bowed, eyes still closed. If you're here and you're carrying around a burden, a bitterness, unforgiveness, I don't know what all the hurt is. I can only imagine the pain that could be in this room. But if you're willing right now, I believe that God can begin to touch you and heal you and even give you the boldness to not just forgive in your heart, but to even go and extend forgiveness to someone that you need to. But if you're here today and you're ready to take the first step in just asking God to heal the hurt and to, to confess to him that you're ready to forgive, would you please put your hand up as well? Bunch of hands. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Lord, I pray for every one of these people. I thank you, God, that Christmas reminds us of your grace and your mercy, your plan for forgiveness in our lives. And I pray, God, that you would strengthen every person that just raised their hand to not just receive forgiveness, but to give it away. And that when they do, I thank you, God, that you're gonna heal the hurt heal the pain and they're going to be able to walk in freedom 
for your purpose, for your kingdom, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, we had several of our brothers and sisters getting right with Jesus today. Let's give them a hand. Let's give God a hand for that decision.